I'm going to be going to Psalm 32 here in just a minute, so just let me set it up for a minute. But if you would turn in your Bibles to Psalm 32 and just kind of park there for a minute. We're talking about that passage extensively today. But today is Father's Day, and so I'm going to talk about the best thing that a father can do, and that is to man up. Man up spiritually. Man up and be mature in the faith. To man up and be mature in the faith and take the faith seriously. And when I talk about man up today, I'm really talking about confession. I'm talking about repentance. It takes a bigger person to repent than it does to do those things to begin with. Man up and confess. You know, man up and take hurts, habits, and hang-ups seriously. You know, we're in this sermon series based on life's hurts, habits, and hang-ups and their healing choices. Life's hurts, habits, and hang-ups and their healing choices. We, we, we all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. We don't. We're likely in denial. But we all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And some of them could be our own current sin issues. Some of them could be our past sin issues that still give us hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Some of them could be the fallen world. We live in a fallen world. It's been fallen since the very beginning when Adam and Eve took of the forbidden fruit. It's been a fallen world. And that has led to our hurts, habits, and hang-ups today. So I want to encourage Everyone certainly to take those seriously and take confession seriously, but especially dads and grandfathers, great-grandfathers. It's so critical that we honor others enough to repent, to confess. Now, as I talk about confession today, certainly I've, always, I've already talked about admitting our need. I've already talked about admitting our hurts, habits, and hang-ups over the last few weeks. And I've already referenced that sin needs to be confessed as far as it's gone. You know, if, if you're out there gossiping about somebody in a public location, when God convicts you and you repent, you've got to repent to the Lord first and foremost. You've got to repent to those people that, all those people who you sin in front of. And that's very, very dangerous. You know, sin needs to be confessed as much as it's public. As much as it's public. I've said if I yell at my wife and I treat her very bad in front of my kids, I don't only need to repent to her, I need to repent to the kids too. They saw it. But we also need prayer partners that we confess our sins to. And these are prayer partners who are accountability partners, who say, you are forgiven, but let's see how we can help you. Let's see how we can help you not to fall into that again. You know, one thing the Christian community, the Christian country, the Christians in, in this country, in the United States of America, one thing we really struggle at and we're just terrible at is community. We really, our, our pride gets in the way, we, we isolate ourselves, and we think that we're just an island, and we can just live the Christian life just on our own. We can't, and God didn't make us to be that way. God did, when, when, when God said man should not be alone back in Genesis 3, yeah, it was, it, it, God provided a spouse for Adam, but it wasn't only that. It wasn't only that. We're called to live in community. We're called to live in community. A trend continues to take place in the online world of anonymity. Several websites offer the opportunity to air one's darkest confessions. Visitors put into words the very thing they have spent a lifetime wanting no one to know about themselves. While visiting, they can also read the long-hidden confessions of others and recognize a part of humanity that is often as obscured as their own secrets. Namely, I am not the only one with a mask a conflicted heart, a hidden skeleton. So these people go on the online world and they start confessing things that are hidden up inside and they, they enjoy reading other people's confessions. This particular article continues. Every single person has at least one secret that would break your heart, one site reads. If we could just remember this, 
I think there would be a lot more compassion and tolerance in the world. Elsewhere, one of these sites made news when one of its anonymous users posted a cryptic message seemingly confessing to murder, catching the attention of Chicago police. Jill Caratini, who is one of the speakers with Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, she wrote the following. The invitation to emerge from our darkest failings, lies, and secrets is not an invitation to dwell in our own impoverishment, but rather a summons to light, reconciliation, community, and true humanity. The unique message of Jesus is that there is no reason to hide. No reason to hide. Before we came up with plans to improve our images or learn to pretend with masks and swap for better identities, he, being Jesus, saw who we were and was determined to approach regardless. You realize that? Jesus knew us from the beginning. Jesus is outside of time. There's no secret sin or secret thing to your past that God's going to find out about and and reject you for. He knew you inside and out before you were even born, and he knows you right now. There's no reason to hide from Jesus. This, uh, Jill Caratina continues, Before he found a way to conceal our, our, our many failings or even weigh the possibilities of unlocking our darkest secrets, God came near and called us out of obscurity by name. God calls us to live in community. Why do we hide? Why do we hang on to guilt? How can we recognize we are forgiven and move on? How do we move on? Some, correction, all of us are dealing with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Let's talk about that for a minute. Today we talk about confession. Today we talk about reflection. I'm going to hit those two things, confession and reflection. And they're both uh, lacking in our, in our community today, in our Christian community, in our world. We do not take t- much time to reflect Today we talk about forgiveness. My theme today is openly examine and confess my faults to myself, God, and someone I trust. We need to openly examine and confess our faults to ourselves, God, and someone we trust. We need to realize that uh, we are completely forgiven. Completely forgiven in Christ. Romans 3.23 and 24 says... For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Verse 24. Being justified. That means to declare righteous. Being justified, declared righteous as a gift. How many of you pay for your gifts? You don't pay for a gift. It's free. Being justified as a gift by God's grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified, declared righteous as a gift by His grace through redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Now let's go to Psalm 32, 1-5. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. And in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. Selah. I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. I want to talk about that psalm, at least those first five verses, for a few minutes as I talk about confession. And then we're going to move to talk about reflection. 
God forgives, and it is good to be forgiven. God forgives, and it is good to be forgiven. As we look at this psalm, it's usually looked at as a thanksgiving psalm. David is giving thanks to God for forgiveness. You know, we do not know exactly what the occasion was. It could have to do with the sin of Bathsheba. And it, I think it likely might, it likely does actually. But David is giving thanks to the Lord for forgiveness. How often do we give thanks to the Lord for our forgiveness? How often are we happy to be forgiven? You know, if you look at this, I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible, the NASB, which is the one the Apostle Paul used, by the way. And um, anyways, and you can see exclamation points. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, exclamation point. That is a blessing. That is an excitement. That is something to praise the Lord about. Verse 2, how blessed is a man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit, exclamation point. We are excited about that. By the way, in the first two verses, there are three words for sin, transgression, sin, and iniquity. David uses three different words for sin. Isn't it nice to be forgiven? Chuck Swindoll helps this uh, come alive to me as Chuck Swindoll writes this. He says, do you remember Edgar Allan Poe's haunting short story, The Telltale Heart? The Telltale Heart, Edgar Allan Poe. The main character has committed murder. Unable to escape the lingering guilt of his deed, he begins to hear the heartbeat of the victim he has buried under his floorboards. He's committed murder and he's buried that person under his floorboards. And all he hears in the telltale heart is the heartbeat. A cold sweat covers him as the beat, beat, beat goes on and on and on relentlessly. It refuses to go away. Ultimately, it becomes clear that the pounding heart that drove the man mad was not in the grave down below but it was pounding in his chest, in his own chest. And so that is with an unforgiving conscience, especially if you're in Christ. The ancient songwriter David, this is Swindoll still, was no stranger to this maddening melody. As we shall soon discover, the longer he refused to come to terms with the enormity of his grinding guilt, the more he became physically ill and emotionally distraught. Only forgiveness can take away that grind. Only forgiveness Swindoll believes this psalm was written in response to David's sin with Bathsheba, which you can read about in 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12. Notice how in verse 1, David says we are blessed when our transgression is forgiven. In verse 2, David says we are blessed when God does not impute iniquity. And iniquity would mean that we have committed a gross sin. A transgression means to cross a moral or divine law. And sin is just a generic term. So there's sin, there's iniquity, there's transgression. And, 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 and David is saying how blessed it is, is when the Lord does not impute. That means to count against us that iniquity. David is talking about sin being forgiven, sin being covered, and sin not being imputed against us. David knows what it's like to be forgiven. In verse 3, David talks about keeping silent about sin. How many of us have lived with unconfessed sin? We know what this is like. Keeping silent about it. If this was David reflecting on his sin with Bathsheba, he must have known what it was like to have that weight on his shoulders. Do we know what it was, 
what it's like. I bet we do. I think we all do. David says, when I kept silent about my sin, my sin, David owns up to it. He owns up to it. Are we, do we own up to our own sin? Do we own up to things that we need to confess? David says his body wasted away. What an image. What an image. We know what guilt and stress and emotions do to us when we keep silent and when we ignore them. That's what happens when we ignore our hurts, habits, and hangups. Our body wastes away. We all know that's true. We know it medically that it's true. Some eat more, some eat less, some lose sleep, some plunge into constant sleep and can't do anything. Some are anxiety-driven. Verse 5, David acknowledged his sin. He acknowledged it to God, and he says, God forgave him. God forgave him. God forgives, and he forgives completely. Completely. We read Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely, being justified, declared righteous. God forgives, and he forgives completely. We are forgiving completely. David repented. David confessed. Where are we at? Are there people we need to confess to today? Now, that's one aspect of confession. Confessing to those that we've hurt. Another aspect is following James 5.16. We need to confess our sin first to God and then to others. A woman came up to her to see her pastor, and the woman said, I am depressed. She said, I've been in bed for weeks, and I no longer have the energy to get out of bed and live. Sensing her deep pain, the pastor asked her, is there, is there something in your life you really regret? She began to pour it out. She said, yes, my husband travels. I had an affair, and I got pregnant, and I had an abortion. I've never told my husband about it. I was silent. The pastor shared God's promise that no matter how deep the stain of our sins, God can take it out and forgive us. Dis distressed, the woman replied. She said, it doesn't seem fair. Somebody's got to pay for my sin. Somebody already has, the pastor assured her. His name is Jesus Christ. And that's true for all of us. Jesus Christ has already paid for our sin. We need to accept his gift of forgiveness and confess it to him. James 5.16, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Healing. Some believe James is talking about a spiritual sickness here. Some think that he could even be talking about an emotional sickness. And we need to confess that sin. We need public confession. We need private confession. We need, we need prayer partners to confess to. This is not an option in James 5.16. If you look at the language, it's not an option. It's a command. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. James shows that communal confession goes along with prayer. In Psalm 66, 18, the psalmist writes that if he had cherished sin in his heart, the Lord would not hear his prayer. Now, I don't think that James or, or the psalmist in Psalm 66, 18 is calling us to go obsessive-compulsive into an obsessive-compulsive disorder trying to you know, beat ourselves looking for every hidden sin. I think what the psalmist in Psalm 66, 18 is saying, if I have hidden unconfessed sin... If I am living in sin, the Lord would not hear my prayer. 
realize that sin is essentially a break in a relationship. That's what it essentially really is. Thankfully, Jesus' blood on the cross covers all of our sin. We're still called to confess it. First to God, to yourself, and to others that you trust. We need to confess because in confession we clear our minds and hearts. We confess, we clear our minds and hearts. And right now, when I'm talking about confession, I'm not talking about coming up here, let's have an open mic and, you know, everybody just go and confess. No. Right now, I'm going to be talking mainly about confessing to God, confessing to yourself, owning up to it, and confessing to a close Christian friend, a prayer partner. Okay? When we confess to God, to yourself, and a close Christian friend, we are clearing our minds and hearts. We need to confess because in confession we can hear the person we confess to say that we are forgiven or God forgave you. We need to hear that. If you're meeting with a prayer partner, and hopefully we all have prayer partners or a small group of two or three or four people that are close Christian friends and we can bear our soul to, and we can meet and hear, God forgives you. Actually, if you ever heard of the book... um, most of you probably have, A Celebration of Disciplines by Richard Foster. He writes exactly about that in the book. And he said, in confession, we hear the person respond, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. We might know that, but we need to hear another Christian human being say that to us. You are forgiven. We need to confess to everyone we have offended in our sin. So that's going a little bit beyond the private. If, again, I've already referenced that. If we've sinned public, confession should be public. We need to confess that we can be held accountable not to continue in that sin. This means, as I just stated, that the person, we, our prayer partner and accountability partner, we meet with them, they say, you're forgiven, but then they go further. How can we keep you from going into this again? If it's pornography, maybe we need an internet filter set up. If there's something else going on, uh, maybe a chemical addiction, we need to get those away from you. We need to refer you to certain helps, a counselor, a celebrate recovery, other types of groups to, 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 to help you move on. You know, I want to emphasize this further. We are not meant to live the Christian life alone. Unchecked sin corrupts absolutely. Unchecked sin corrupts absolutely. Our sin is contagious. It is not secret. If you don't believe that, look, look at how a divorce affects children. Look at how our, our, our country has been impacted by broken homes over the last 40, 50, 60 years. Sin is contagious. It corrupts. And Numbers 32.23 says, be sure your sin will find you out. We should all memorize that. <laughs> be sure your sin will find you out. We think it's isolated. It's not. It will come out. It will come out. I know a Christian pastor that I really respect, and he was talking about getting on an elevator. He was somewhere to speak, and he gets on an elevator, and three um, women who appeared, who seemed to be prostitutes get on the elevator, and they said, what floor? And they wanted to go to his room. And he thought back, he thought back to when he was a child, and his mom had him on his bed, and his mom was making him memorize Numbers 32:23. be sure your sin will find you out. And so he said, ladies, I have more at home than I can keep up with. <laughs> and went on to his own room. Be sure your sin will find you out. It is not secret, and it corrupts absolutely, and it is contagious. We need to confess. We need to confess. Some of you need to confess to your spouse that you looked at pornography or lusted or had other things. You may have to confess to your children that you have treated them badly. Fathers, it's Father's Day. Definitely, we need to own up to that type of thing. 
You may have to confess to your boss you did something wrong. You may have to confess to someone else. Don't ignore the Spirit's nudging. In Matthew 5, 23 through 24, Jesus told the people that if they're about to worship God and they realize that they have an unresolved issue with someone else, they need to go and resolve that before they come to worship. Jesus told them that reconciliation is more important than worship. That's a pretty big deal. Recon- that means if we are ignoring some type of issue that between us and a fellow believer, that is going to block our worship with God. Reconciliation, Jesus taught, is more important than worship. Hear that today. We need to confess to God, to ourselves, and to especially a close Christian prayer partner. Okay? We need to reflect. Let's talk about reflection for another couple minutes. This sermon series is about healing from hurts, habits, and hang-ups. But how do you get that? You only receive healing when you, when, when you seek help. The Bible calls us to confess to God, and that's what David did. The Bible calls us to confess to each other, and that's what James said. That is in the Bible we cannot ignore it. It's a command. And, but some of you are still dealing with guilt or anxiety or fear or anger or many other things in addition to hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And part of the reason that we can't move on is because we're trying to work through it on our own. We're trying to work through it as an island on our own. And God doesn't call us to work through it on our own. I seriously, strongly believe that a major part of the power of Christianity is in the church, in community, not in isolation. The powerful prayer times come in community especially. The powerful works of the Holy Spirit come in community especially. Community. We are not meant to live the Christian life alone. Let others in. So here's something you can do. It's called a moral inventory. And this ultimately comes from Celebrate Recovery, actually, one of their uh, eight steps that they have in their step study. Moral inventory. This is something where you sit down and you think about your past. And if you could write it down like journaling, you think about the person, persons, or institutions who have hurt you. And you write them down. Person, persons, or institutions have hurt you in your past. Write it down. Then you think of the cause. What was the cause? Then you think of the effects. Then you, then you think of the damage. And then you own up to your part. This is reflection. Thinking about your past. How did you get to where you're at today? Now this is not, it's not about blaming. Let's emphasize that. This is about considering and reflecting to know how you got to where you are today. Considering and reflecting. Now, why is it important to do this inventory and writing? And we could all benefit from this, okay? Sometimes, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Sometimes we think, oh, this is just for those with chemical addictions or something major like this. But we all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups, and we all need to reflect. We all need to reflect. Why is it important to do it in writing? Because writing forces you to be specific. Thoughts disentangle themselves when they pass through the lips to the fingertips. If you don't put it down in writing, it will remain vague. Just saying, God, I've blown it in life is not specific enough. We've all blown it. And God may reveal something to you that you have interfering with your relationship with your children that you've never even thought about. A lot of times, we don't take much time to reflect. We need to do that. We need to do that. We need to get specific and we need to write it down. Just like journaling. When doing this, you need to be radically honest. We need to not rationalize. Don't rationalize. We need to not blame others. We need to not deceive ourselves. But there is a special note I want to make. If you have been physically or sexually abused as a child or adult, I want you to know I'm sorry that you suffered that abuse. There is no way I can know the pain 
it caused you, but I want you to know that I empathize with your hurt. I empathize with your hurt. And when you write these things down and you write about your past, you need to just write over top of it, forgiven, not guilty. Actually, not guilty, because that wasn't even your fault. Not guilty. None of that was your fault. Don't blame yourselves. Don't let guilt pile up for that on yourself. Not guilty. You're not guilty for the abuse that was done to you. No part of that sin committed against you was your fault. Renounce the lie that that abuse was your fault. But sometimes in response, we hurt others, and we do need to own up to that. Think of this like journaling, but that's not all. After you do this reflection time, meet with your prayer partner. Meet with a close, close, close Christian friend and go over it with them, or a counselor, or a mentor, or an advisor. Now, we might ask, why can't we just admit our faults to God? Why must another person be involved? And this is it. The root of our problems is relational. We are relational people, whether we admit it or not. We lie to each other. We deceive each other. We are dishonest with each other. We wear masks. We pretend we have it all together. We deny our true feelings, and we play games largely because we believe. We believe if they really knew the truth about me, they wouldn't love me. We become more isolated than ever. We keep all that junk of our past inside, and we get sick. It's important to meet with a Christian friend and hear them say, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. The hurts, haves, and hang-ups that we try to hide end up making us sick. But revealing your feelings is the beginning of healing. So if you do not have a prayer partner, get one. Get one right away. If you, you know, again, some of you might say, we don't have a prayer partner, but I have this close group of two or three, and we're honest with each other, and we're, we're growing in the faith together. That's great. You know, that's great. But, you know, if you don't, ask someone you trust. Ask someone you trust. Ask someone who understands the value of what you're doing. Ask someone who is mature enough not to be shocked. Ask someone who knows the Lord well enough to reflect his forgiveness to you. You need somebody who is a Christian growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Before you say anything, find a place to meet without interruptions. Be upfront, saying that you need to share your moral inventory. And let me know how I can help you. We all need this. One of the greatest things I have done is confess sin. The Bible tells us to do this. Some of you think confessing to God is enough, but that is not what the Bible teaches. This is Father's Day. Fathers, be willing to repent. First to God, then to others who you have hurt, but also to a trusted Christian friend. Be willing to get help to conquer your hurts, habits, and hang-ups. You cannot do it alone. I am here and I want to help you if you want. Let me know how I can help you with the moral inventory, help with reflection. Let me know if I can help you set up a prayer partner or a small group. You know, I was in college, and one day I was with my dad. We were working his workshop on something, and he confessed and repented to me for some of his angry outbursts when I was a kid. It goes a long way when parents repent. It goes a long way when husbands repent. It goes a long way when Christians own up to things and repent. Praise God for dads who repent. A long time ago, I faced a pornography problem. Wasn't it addiction? Maybe. Was it a sin? Definitely. Did I repent to God right away? Did I repent to Megan eventually, but not soon enough? I only got free from that hurt habit, hang up from that sin, when I confessed it. First to Megan, two others, and then set up things to keep me from getting into that again. Do you know how much that weighed on me? It was a heavy weight, but I did not get free until I stopped trying to take care of it by myself. We all need to stop trying to take care of things on our own. And let the Christian community be the community.
Let the Holy Spirit work through the people of God. God forgives you completely, totally. But to move on, we need to confess. Seek help. Seek help. Let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, help us all seeking help. Lord God, I thank you that we don't live the Christian life alone. Lord, many times we don't want to be in community, but we need community. Many times we don't want to own up to things because it's difficult, but we still need to. Lord, we need to. Help us, Lord. We need the Holy Spirit's guidance to help us. Lord, help us be followers of you, not fans. Help us be followers of you. And as followers of you, help us to own up to things, to repent. First to you, also to ourselves, and to close Christian friends. Lord, your word tells us as iron sharpens iron, so one sharpens another. We sharpen each other. Lord, your word teaches us a cord of three strands is not easily broken. We are stronger together. Lord, I ask this, and this is not easy. Teach us humility. Pride gets in the way, but Lord, we know that the Holy Spirit inside us is stronger than the devil who works on us. Holy Spirit, reign in our life, please. And if there's anyone here who is not committed to you first and foremost, may today be the day of salvation. May today be the day where first and foremost they turn their life to you, confessing they are a sinner in need of a Savior, believing in you as the only Savior, trusting in you and committing to you. Help us all. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us and support us and lead us. In Jesus' name, amen.